I can just imagine him in a meeting. You know, yes, this is the contract I've been waiting for. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you very much, Jerry. And he signs his name, and then he stands up and he says, I'm going to go ahead and have the surgery now. You can't turn the football over 17 times and think you're going to win a game. Can't do it. Won't do it. Cole, I appreciate everything you did for the Dallas Cowboys. Cole, go get your money. <laughs> I mess up his name. I can't even get this. this that's a kitty. That's a kitty. That's a But at the same time, oh, we're going to shackle them in? We're going to take over? <laughs> you are not Diana Prince. This is not the mascara. I saw it coming. That's why I went solo. You'll never see me coming. It wasn't even close. Welcome to every living and breathing intelligent biped on the planet Earth to this show it's your boy the man the myth the hashtag legend in my own mind big day talking not only sports but news of all kinds and also welcome to those checking us out on this sick podcast on anchor.fm spotify google podcast breaker overcast pocket cast and radio public And like always, I want to give a shout out to all my sick listeners in Ireland, Hong Kong, Sweden, Morocco, Mexico, and these United States of America. Well, like I said, it wasn't even close. As the Tampa Bay Buccaneers cruise to a 31-9 Super Bowl 55 win over the Kansas City Chiefs. It was a night of firsts. F-I-R-S-T-S. Firsts. For the record books. As the great one becomes the first 43-year-old player to win a championship game slash series MVP and in any of the four major North American professional sports leagues like the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, and the MLB. No one else at the age of 43 has done what the great one has done. Also, the Bucks won their first Super Bowl since 2002. And they became the first to play and win a Super Bowl in their own home stadium. The great one became the oldest player to ever play in a Super Bowl. The great one became the oldest player to win a Super Bowl. The great one won his seventh count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven championships surpassing the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots 
for the most Super Bowls in NFL history. The Great One also broke a tie that he held with three members of Vince Lombardi's Green Bay Packers back in 1960, who had Fuzzy Thurston and Hall of Famers Herb Adderley and Forrest Gregg, which included the first two Super Bowls, cementing the Great One's legacy. Oh, and there's one more. The Great One also joined former Indianapolis coach the Denver Broncos legend Peyton Manning as the only two quarterbacks in league history to win a Super Bowl with two different franchises. Oh, and there's one more. The Great One also joins Baseball Hall of Famer Frank Robinson and 12-time NBA All-Star Oscar Robinson as the only sports icons to win championships in their first year with a new team. And the great one, at the end of everything, had one thing to say. Yep. We're coming back. We're coming Final score was 31 to 9, and it wasn't even that close. It wasn't that close. The great one threw for 201 yards and three touchdowns. But to me, the bigger story wasn't necessarily the great one winning his seventh championship. He couldn't have done it if it wasn't for Leonard Fournette, formerly of the SEC a few years back. And he ran like he was in the SEC again, like he was playing against an SEC opponent. Former LSU standout. Had 16 carries for 89 yards and one touchdown. That was an average of 5.6 yards per carry. Oh, Ronald Jones II. He had 12 carries for 61 yards. Oh, Rob Gronkowski. The Gronk had six receptions for 67 yards and two touchdowns. Oh, and I forgot one more stat about Gronk and Brady. They're the only duo in history to have 13 touchdowns in a championship game. It was sick. Just like this show, to watch them do what they did. It was absolutely silly to watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just run rough shot over Kansas City. Leonard Fournette, four receptions for 46 yards. Mike Evans, one reception for 31 yards. Cameron Brake, three receptions for 26. And Antonio, anyway, the wind blows brown. Five receptions, 22 yards, and one friggin' touchdown. 
It was an incredible performance all the way around. The defense took away what the Chiefs wanted to do. They sacked Mahomet. I think it was three times. There was like six times he should have been sacked. And he didn't get sacked. Mahomet, in his whole career, was held to not throwing a touchdown. He threw for 270 yards, two interceptions. It just wasn't in the cards. Travis Kelsey had 133 yards. Tyreek Hill had 73 yards. It didn't make a difference. They couldn't get the ball in the end zone and had to kick three times. Three field goals is not going to cut it when the other team is putting up 31 on you. This game was over way before halftime. And I know Tony Romo and Jim Nance who did a great job calling the game. Said we've seen the Chiefs come back from deficits before the win. That seems to be the Chiefs mantra going forward. But Tony Romo who has been in a lot of games he may not have been in a lot of playoff games but he's been in a lot of games Romo said right before halftime I don't know this don't feel good right now it's just one of those feelings that you get this might be the end for the Chiefs run to the Super Bowl this year it was incredible Over 25,000 fans were on hand to witness this Super Bowl. Over 35,000 cardboard cutouts were on hand to witness the Super Bowl. It got so bad that I started seeing cardboard cutouts stand up and cheer for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The game was ridiculous. And I know the Chiefs are going to say, well, there was penalties called that shouldn't be called. You know what? There was about two, maybe three good penalties that were called and you had questions about. But there was two to three penalties that you did hold. And every time you held, it was 15 freaking yards for pass interference, putting your team in a bad spot. Kansas City's defense didn't know what to do. Tampa Bay was having their way running. And they was having their way through the air. And the Chiefs were looking to cut off the air supply. But they didn't count on the ground game and the Chiefs just took it to I mean the, the Bucks just took, to, took it to the Chiefs Kansas City looked like a whole different team and here's the crazy thing about it Tampa Bay could be back next year Kansas City could easily be back next year When Brady won, you know what I thought about? My immediate thought didn't go to the seven championships. 
my immediate thought went to how is the New England Patriots looking now? How is Yoda Belichick going to deal with this one? Super Bowl champions used to be. We were. Tom Brady playing for Buccaneers. Super Bowl championship. He won without us. Go from here. Where do we do? I love it. 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 The New England Patriots could not make it to the playoffs this year. The New England Patriots was so high and so mighty when they had the great one. They felt they could win without the great one, so they let the great one go because they said the great one was too old. Too old! This just goes to show you all those out there who are above 40 years old. If they say you're too old to do something, just do it anyway. And prove them wrong. Because that's what the great one did. He didn't listen to the naysayers. People were saying in the beginning of the year when they had lost three in a row, oh, he doesn't have it anymore. Tom Brady doesn't have it anymore. He might as well retire after this year and go out in history as the GOAT. But he won his seventh championship at the age of 43. He said he wants to play until he's 46 years old. That means three more years. Do you not realize that Tom Brady could end up with 10 championships? Just solidifying his legacy even more. That he is and should be referred to and shall remain. First ballot, Hall of Famer, the great one. Woo. When we come back, I gotta talk about an article that was in USA Today. It was done by Nancy Armour. I'm gonna read it verbatim and I'm gonna talk about it because she's talking about diversifying the NFL even the more. So you don't want to miss it. Make sure you come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Super Bowl right here on this sick show. Stay tuned for more This Sick Show with Big Day along the BGC Sports Network. Welcome back to This Sick Show. Would you like $500 for an address? Honeybee homebuyers are looking to buy houses that have fire damage anywhere in DFW. And if you know of a house anywhere that has lots of fire damage or even a little bit, then text Honeybee Homebuyers. The address at 817-330-9532. That's 817-330-9532. Once they verify it does have fire damage, you will get $25, no question asked. 
then, after they talk with the owners and they are able to buy the house, you will get 500 biggin. So text them the address. Any house you may see that has fire damage, text it to 817-330-9532. That's 817-330-9532. All right. I was reading an article on USA Today concerning the Super Bowl. And one of their writers, Nancy Armour, she wrote about the Super Bowl and she brought up the subject of how this win actually is going to help diversify the NFL. I'm going to read it to you. And I want to hear what she uh, wants you to hear what she had to say. She said, by winning the Super Bowl title that Bruce Arians has wanted for so long. Bruce Arians might finally get black and brown coaches the jobs they deserve to. Imagine being an NFL owner next January and ignoring Byron Leftwich, architect of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense that beat the Kansas City Chiefs on the ground and in the air. Or taking a pass on Todd Bowles, whose defense harassed Patrick Holmes into the worst performance of his professional career. If they do, then they deserve every loss they get. Probably not, Leftwich said when asked if the Buccaneers 31-9 thrashing of the Chiefs will level the playing field for coaches of color. He said, quote, obviously it'll open people's eyes. When asked why not, he said, quote, but I can't speak on if it changes anybody's minds. All we can do is coach good football. Now, the nearly all white, all boys club of NFL coaches and coordinators has been nearly impossible to crack. In a league where two-thirds of the players are black or brown, only five head coaches are. There are five black offensive coordinators, a job considered a stepping stone to a head coaching position. Public shaming hasn't improved diversity, neither has the suggestions and incentives from the commissioner, Roger Goodell, and the league office. So maybe what owners need is some good old-fashioned envy. Now, it says the NFL is an imitation game. Owners and general managers always want their own version of the hottest things. It's why anyone who's had a conversation with Sean McVay, the youngest coach in the NFL's modern era and youngest to reach the Super Bowl, was automatically shortlisted for any opening the past few years. It's why Matt Patricia and Josh McDaniels got jobs after working for Bill Belichick. Success by association hasn't worked for Eric uh, Bieniemy who despite being instrumental in Mahomes' development at Kansas City's offensive coordinator, was snubbed for a third consecutive hiring cycle. But the owners whose only commitment to diversity seems to be avoiding it have been able to fall back on that tired, tired excuse. He doesn't call plays. A stigma that only ever applies to coaches of colors. I thought that was a pretty hefty statement 
that she said concerning the NFL. And it is true. The NFL, which some people say stands for not for long. Honestly, it, it is the players majority, like she said, black and brown. There's only five head coaches. There's 32 teams. So 32 minus five is what? 27. So there's 27 teams that, you know, prefer to stay away from maybe a black or brown coach. Is, is, is that an example of diversity? I'm even seeing now that the NFL is trying to be diverse or diversified when it comes to women coaching and women being on the sidelines. Matter of fact, uh, we had the lady, I can't think of her name right now. She was the referee. She's the first woman referee to win, uh, to, to ref a Super Bowl game. She was a line judge. She did an excellent job, I thought. But I'm sorry to say, She's not black And she's not Nowhere near brown So The NFL definitely Needs to do A little more when it concerns Diversity I absolutely agree with her She brings up Great points in that And I don't know what the NFL is going to do like Byron Leftwich said, some of you may know Byron Leftwich was a quarterback in the NFL. And Byron played, I know he played for the um, Ravens, Baltimore Ravens at one point. But I think he got to start in Jacksonville. I'm not sure. Y'all can check me on that at this sick host and at this sick show on Twitter. You can let me know who Byron Leftwich is paid for because I'm just going off the top of my head right now I'm not even looking at anything other than this statement Bruce Arians basically comes out of retirement he wins the Super Bowl he put Todd Bowles black as a defensive coordinator he put Byron Leverage black as an offensive coordinator and he basically took his hands away from it and said you guys run the show as a matter of fact he was quoted as saying I don't do anything he said that I just try to get out of the way and not screw it up. Aaron's has said that his own struggles to get a head coaching job make him more willing to look at people who would otherwise be ignored. Despite being Peyton Manning's first quarterbacks coach in the NFL and being offensive coordinator for a Super Bowl champion in Pittsburgh, Arians didn't get a shot as a head coach until he was 60 years old. And even then, it was only because the Colts coach, Chuck Pagano, Pagano, I think that's how you say that, Pagano, had to step away after being diagnosed with leukemia. Arian said last week, the lack of opportunities has made me want to give more opportunities to more people. Arians, uh, Bruce Arians just doesn't go out of his way to hire minorities for his staff. But he doesn't go out of the way, out of his way not to hire them either. His philosophy is that coaches are, at their core, teachers. 
and the most effective ones he's known offer different perspectives based off their own unique experience rather than being slightly different versions of the same thing. His staff reflects that. All three of his coordinators are black, as is Harold Godwin, Tampa Bay's run game coordinator. He also has two women on his staff as well. He said, the best school teachers I ever had were all different races, all different ethnic groups, male and female. It is impossible to argue with those results. Bravo, Bruce. Bravo. Bravo. That's the way, as a head coach, that's the way as a leader, whether you're a head coach or a leader in a major corporation or a small business, it don't matter. That's the way you should operate. That's the way you should think. Just because you're a different race, different background, just because you're a woman, it doesn't mean anything. It shouldn't mean anything. Just because you're over 40 years old, shouldn't 40 years old, you shouldn't mean anything. Because if you're qualified for the position and you're the best candidate to help this team, whether it's in a business corporation, organization, you know, on the football field, baseball, soccer, baseball, apple pie, Chevrolet, it just don't matter. If you're the best person for the job, then I want you working for me. If you're going to make the company better, then yes, I want you working for me. I don't care if you're green, purple, pinstripe alien. If you are the best candidate for the job, let's get her done. It don't matter where you came from. It don't matter what you look like. It definitely don't matter your blood type. If you can help me win a Super Bowl, if you can help me make a million dollars, if you can help me in any kind of way to improve on the vision that I have set forth, it don't matter that you're a woman, whether of color or not, you're going to get the job. It don't matter if you're a brother from another mother of any color or persuasion. It don't matter if you're tall, you're skinny, you're short, you're fat, you're wide. It don't matter if you can help this team. If you can help this show. If you can help this network. You deserve the spot. Point blank. So it's going to be interesting to see what the commish is going to do going forward. This was a learning year for the NFL dealing with the pandemic and every hurdle they had to jump just to get to the Super Bowl. It was a year where barriers were broken down. It was a year of change for the NFL. 
just like it was a year of change for everybody. And guess what? The pandemic's not over. The 2021 season, six or seven months off. The NFL draft is in April. The NBA season is on right now in the middle of the pandemic. We're getting ready to go into March Madness. And they got to look at it different ways because different teams didn't play this year, both on the women's side and on the men's side. Everybody had to flip the script. Everybody had to think differently. Last year, you know, LeBron James, the LA Lakers, they they won the first ever bubble chip, as I like to call it. Because they were in a bubble. When they played the playoffs all the way to the championship, they was on the same floor. They were in the same hotels. Every team. They had to take the COVID test every morning and every evening before they left the room and when they came back. They lived under under unimaginable uh, 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 what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? I, I can't think right now. I just, but they they lived with all kinds of things on them, just to play basketball, just to finish out a season that back on March 12th shut down for everybody. Restrictions. That was the word I was looking for. Unbelievable, unimaginable restrictions the NBA had to go through. And guess what? They came out the other side looking like pure gold because they were in the bubble. And this year, it's somewhat of a bubble. You don't have really players. You don't have nobody in the stands. You got monitors in the stands and people are on the monitors and they're watching the game and you have to pay for that which I I can't understand why you have to pay for that that should be included within your ESPN or or whatever it is cable subscription you gotta pay a hundred dollars just to watch the game on TV so that you can be seen in the stands on a monitor man you forget that you, people paid $100 at the Super Bowl just to have a cardboard cutout. And I promise you, the cardboard cutouts that were next to the field, like right down on the field, they probably paid $500 for them. I'm going to need to research that. But everybody has learned how to deal with the pandemic now. Everybody is getting better on how to deal with it and still have sports go forward. Now is the time for change. With all the social issues, Black Lives Matters, the insurrection, all the the political and social issues that are going on, now is the time to change. Where there wasn't diversity before, we need diversity now. 
So I applaud Bruce Arians. I applaud the Tampa Bay's uh, uh, Buccaneers owners for bringing Bruce Arians in and then letting him make the decisions on how he wanted his staff to look and how he wanted to go forward. Somebody was saying something about, uh, mentioning me about Tom Brady going to the Dallas Cowboys. They just stop. Stop. They got a very good quarterback in Dak Prescott, but Dallas don't want to pay him. He could be the next Tom Brady, but you don't want to pay him. Kansas City paid Mahomes, made him the half-billion-dollar man. But after one Super Bowl, you don't want to pay Dak Prescott. And you saw where it got you when Dak wasn't on the field. It's time for diversity. And it's time to stop the foolishness when it comes to it. When we come back, I want to talk about this thing with the NCAA and paying the star players for their fame and them getting paid in NCAA. I've talked about it before, but I want to talk about it again. So we're going to talk about that when we come back right here on PS. So stay tuned for more This Sick Show with Big Day along the BGC Sports Network. Welcome back to this sick show. Let's go back, way back, back in time, and relive some of the best moments in our brief history, as well as new ones, by checking out the new PGC archives on Anchor.fm and on Spotify. It's absolutely our gift to you. From the station where sports talk is always lit. We are the BGC Sports Network. All right. I want to talk about this. Thing about college athletes earning money from endorsements and sponsorship deals. There's a lot been going on, a lot of talk lately about it. Some of the talks were put on hold because of COVID, whatever they want to call it. And the U.S. Senator Chris Murphy, who uh, introduced a bill on last Thursday. And in that bill, it would guarantee college athletes the right to earn money from endorsements and sponsorship deals while barring the NCAA schools and conferences from imposing restrictions. The College Athlete Economic Freedom Act is what it's called. CAFA. If you got to use an acronym, C-A-E-F-A, that'd be CAFA is the third piece of legislation related to name, image, and likeness compensation for college athletes introduced in Congress since December and 
Second sponsored by the Democrats. The latest bill, co-sponsored by U.S. Representative Lori Trahan of Massachusetts, focused on creating a national standard for so-called NIL compensation that would preempt the more than two dozen state laws currently in the pipeline. Iowa became the latest state to get in the game with lawmakers introducing a bill Wednesday they hope will go into effect by July 1st. Murphy's bill would give college athletes unfettered access to the free market and allow them to organize and make group licensing deals and hand oversight to the Federal Trade Commission. It's simple, Murphy said in a statement. This is about restoring athletes' ownership over the use of their own names and likeness. They own their brand, not their school or the NCAA. And giving students a right to make money off endorsements is just one part of a much broader package of reforms that need to be made to college athletics. He said it's a good start. Now, Senator Roger Wicker, a Republican from Mississippi, is chairman of the Senate Commerce Committee, proposed a bill that would provide antitrust protection to the NCAA, shielding the association from legal challenges to its NIL rules and allow the association to limit the types of financial agreements for athletes. Murphy's bill provides no such antitrust cover and would punish schools that stand in the way of athletes earning money off their fame. And last month, the NCAA delayed what was expected to be a landmark vote on NIL legislation. The Justice Department warned the association it could be in danger of violating antitrust laws. Senator Cory Booker, Democrat from New Jersey, and Senator Richard Blumenthal, Democrat from Connecticut, have also introduced the College Athlete Bill of Rights, which would extend the federal government's reach into intercollegiate athletics far beyond name, image, and likeness compensation. The Supreme Court is scheduled to hear an antitrust case involving the NCAA in March that could ultimately guide where name, image, and likeness reform and the definition of amateur athletics is headed from this time forward. Okay. It's opinion time. I definitely got an opinion about this. I don't know if you heard a few shows ago I talked about this a little bit. I think it's absolutely right. If you're making millions, if you're making billions of dollars off of a college athlete because they're very good at what they do and they become megastars on your campus and megastars within the United States of America and possibly overseas and other people in the NCAA are benefiting off of it why not pay them why not pay them the NCAA's thing is like, okay, well, we're giving you uh, a four-year scholarship, so we're we're helping you to get your degree. I want to say something, and I don't know if I can say it here on the air. Can I say it? 
Should I say it? I'm gonna say it. That's absolute poppycock. That is absolute bull. You can't sit there. Okay, you give someone a scholarship. Let's say the scholarship is, let's say it's 250000 250000 per year for four years. Okay, 250000 250, that's $500, another $250,750. That is a million dollars for four years. But each year, you make upwards of eight to fifteen million dollars off of this one player and your school gets incentives from you know Nike and other people did this and all these other people off these players and they can't get a damn you can't spot them some money like maybe a hundred grand per year you can't do that Shame on you, NCAA. Shame on you, NCAA one, two, three, NIT, whatever. Shame, shame, shame. If you have a player, a student athlete, and let's say this player is way better than LeBron James. Or he has the potential of LeBron James. Let's say that. Or he's a potential Steph Curry. Or you know he, he's a, he's a potential Kobe Bryant. Or a potential potential Michael Jordan. You're gonna look, use his likeness. You're gonna say, "Hey, Nike wants to do a shoe deal for the team because of you. We get you all the Nikes you want to ever have. Nikes cost maybe hundred dollars a piece. How many pairs of shoes can one man have?" It ain't gonna add up to the millions that you're getting. It's not gonna add up. Let's not even get into football. Because football is one of the biggest money-making machines in college sports. If not the biggest. And because the COVID came around, yeah, colleges have lost money. But hey, I'd rather lose money than to lose lives, wouldn't you? What good would it do for me to have money and die? I can't take it with me. So what good would it do? Like I said in the last segment, COVID has forced us to change the way we think about things. COVID has forced us to be more diverse. And guess what? We need to be diverse in this. Now, I'm not saying make them millionaires at age, what, 21? Age 18, age 19, 20, 21? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is if you're going to use their image and their likeness, if you're going to have them in commercials and Gatorade commercials and whatever and Puma commercials and Nike commercials, you're going to have them doing all this stuff. Then guess what? They should be compensated. So if 
let's let's just say Powerade made a deal with one of the schools. And Powerade says, we're going to give your school $5 million. And it's all because of this athlete. We want him to be the spokesman for our product. Okay. Give him 250. Matter of fact, I mean, give him a tenth. A tenth of five million is five hundred thousand. So into him that way. Along with the scholarship. Because here's the thing I don't want to happen. Is that these athletes now, because they end up getting paid for the endorsements, then all of a sudden the NCAA says, well, because you're getting paid for that endorsement, then you can pay to play it at our school. Well, if that's the case, I can go on to the pros. Keep my endorsements and go on to the pros. As a matter of fact, I can go overseas. It really don't matter to me. Whatever it takes. But colleges have got to be more lenient on it. You know, back in the Stone Age, back when Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble was playing for, you know, the University of uh, uh, Rock State. Let's just say that. Well, back then, you say, well, I'll give you all the rocks you could ever carry. And Barney and the Flintstones might have been like, well, can you throw a Brontosaurus burger in there too? And been happy with it. But as time went on and rocks were not valuable anymore and neither was the Brontosaurus burgers, Fred and Barney might say, well, yo, we need some clothes. We need some shoes. Matter of fact, we need to get away back and forth to practice. We need a new car. We need some things because everybody else is getting them. So Rock State University should do it. I'm just saying things are not the same. Things are not the same even when I was back in college. There was a lot of grease and palms. There was a lot of sneaking stuff under the table. There was a lot of, you know, mm, alumni doing things helping the student athletes out just about every college on the planet was probably doing that so where that is absolutely illegal why not legalize it by saying hey if you're a star athlete and somebody wants to give you endorsements then guess what endorse me Guess what? I should get some of that money that y'all making off of me because I got dreams, I got visions, I got goals, and I definitely got bills. They may not be big bills, but they're bills nonetheless. And I shouldn't have to sit up here and not have the things that I need in college and you use my likeness and my image to make your money it's not fair it's not fair but in closing last thing I want to say is 
If you're giving these kids millions of dollars or you're giving them hundreds of thousands of dollars and it's cash and it's being deposited in their bank, bank, then this is a stipulation that you need to put in there. They have to pass a course on how to manage major money. And it's only going to help them in the long run. I'd put that stipulation in there for sure. So they won't end up broke or end up in situations that they should have never been in. I'm just saying. I'm done. I want to thank all of you for listening. Remember, hit me up at this sick show on Twitter and at this sick host on Twitter at any time. Make sure you follow us right here on the BGC Sports Network. Coming up next, Willie F. Ting Jr., the hashtag brother baseball. It's coming up next. You do not want to miss it. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this sick show.